Hi, and welcome to the TRU Alumni Podcast, hosted by me, Dustin McIntyre, TRU Alumni Manager and TRU Alumni. I'm joined today by Kaylin Libby. Kaylin completed his Red Seal in electrical at TRU in 2010. He went on to complete electrical engineering at UBC. Kaylin then co-founded HappyPad in 2018, an alumni-owned business that offers end-to-end support from background screening to rental contracts, rent collection, and conflict resolution. The business is helping to combat the housing crisis and help create more sustainable communities across the country. In his spare time, you can find Kalen rock climbing. He is the president of the Central Okanagan Climbing Association or coaching as part of the Special Olympic Program in Kelowna. Welcome to the podcast, Kalen. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure. This is really neat. You're our first trade student on the podcast. Uh, so we're very thrilled to have you, trades alumni, pardon me. Uh, tell us about your time at TRU and how you ended up at UBCO and where HappyPad came from. Let's start from the beginning. Yeah, uh, so I did my apprenticeship as an industrial electrician, and I spent my third and fourth year of my education at TRU. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, you have great professors at TRU, uh, a great campus, a uh, really awesome experience. And anyone listening to this podcast, if you have children or if you're not sure yourself, go to a trade. It's an awesome way to have a great career, make some good money. The work can be very rewarding and fun. And I encourage anyone starting out in life to try a trade just to get established in life. Absolutely. And TRU is unique for the people that don't know that we're a, a research intensive institution that has a full trades campus on campus. So uh, really unique. And I think since the time you've been here, uh, we have a brand new trades building as well. We are uh, launching an engineering program. So lots of neat things going on in that world. Uh, tell us about your time at uh, UBC and uh, you became an engineer, but you also launched uh, an app. So let's hear about that. Yeah. So after my time at TRU, I worked in the trades for a few years, um, had a great career, really enjoyed it, but I had this itch for engineering. So I applied to study at UBC. I resigned from my job as an industrial electrician, which was really hard. It, it paid very well. It was very nice, very fun, rewarding work, but I had this itch to study engineering while I was still young enough to make that transition. You know, as you get older, it's harder to take those leaps in your life. So I felt this was the time to do it if I was ever going to do it. So my time at UBC was a very, very hard transition. Uh, going from a, a working life where you, you know, you have your house, you're, you're working, you have your lifestyle, all in place how you want it and then all of a sudden you're a student you are not getting that income anymore you are up super early up super late studying in your textbooks all the time and trying to get your your head back in gear of doing mathematics um learning calculus uh it was it was very hard but in the end it was an amazing life-changing experience i learned so much about myself i pushed myself um much harder than I ever did uh, in any other academic situation and uh I, I don't regret any bit of it. In fact, it was uh, transformational in many ways. Amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a different different world, engineering, and, and you uh, you jumped in, and, 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 and a mature student too, right? So you're a little bit older than probably a lot of your uh, cohort and, you know, have a, a, a different experience than they do. So uh, you you did that program, and you launched this app while you were still at school, or is this post-UBC? post, post uh, uh, UBC? Yeah, so the, uh, this app didn't, it wasn't really a direct uh, link for my studying into building this app. There's a few steps that went along the way okay. there. Uh, most notably, in my third year at UBC, I started doing undergraduate research with one of my professors, uh, Dr. Kenneth Chow. 
and we developed um, an instrument for the oil industry. Using uh, lasers, we'd excite an oil sample, and then we could measure the properties of this oil through it. So uh, these are some really cutting-edge technology using nanotechnology where you can see the atoms, the, the layers of gold or silver fin in our sensors. It's um, really, really cool stuff. So that was a totally awesome exposure to it. And that really opened up my ideas to uh, the fact that you can create something from just an idea, and this can actually end up in industries, and it can go on to uh, become something very successful. Uh, so that process really got me excited to, hey, maybe building a business, do some research development of some sort, maybe that's what I want to do. Because um, I always believe in progressing in life and taking on, on new challenges and objectives. I, I'm a high energy person, generally, and I always like to challenge myself. And this is an awesome experience. Um, but at the end of that, I realized that you know this work ultimately went to the, the big oil companies, and we didn't get any rights from it. My, my name's on the patent for the work we did, um, but I didn't really get much more than just a little bit of street credit for that. Um, and the other thing is, this didn't really help with any meaningful challenges of our society. And this planted the seed of that time of you know if I spend my time on solving any problems, is it actually going to do to help our societies and help my family, my friends? Um, in our lifetimes, we can only tackle so many problems. Our, our time on this earth, especially when we're in our prime working years, it's quite short. We can only work on so many challenges. So I really started to question what I want to spend the rest of my, my prime years working on. After this, I moved to New Zealand for a global exchange, the Go Global program. And from there, I had a second exposure to this entrepreneurial um, uh, program. Uh, from there, in one of our engineering labs, we developed a uh, an apparatus using a wireless headphones that use light instead of uh, radio signals or anything else. So we set up some optical sensors, infrared LEDs, and we could um, transmit uh, audio signals uh, optically uh, into headsets so that if you're in an aircraft or other uh, areas where you're sensitive to radio frequencies, you can still listen to music wirelessly without that. So we wouldn't have to put our phones on airplane mode anymore. We could just send exactly. a, a light signal. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Totally, and no one else, no one else can tap into it because it's you have to be in the light path to connect it. So um, you can transmit all sorts of data through this this method. So it's um, so, locally encrypted. Yeah. Totally, it's it's yeah, really cool technology. I mean, it's not super high tech. It's quite simple, um, but uh, we're starting to see this this coming out from from labs, and I'm sure we'll see this in the market in the near future. Uh, so this is kind of my second exposure building this product, and then when it came back to Canada, this is when I had the idea of okay, I want to build my own business now. So I got back with my professor, Dr. Chow, and we, he was going on sabbatical at the time. And we made a, a list of I think 30 problems we wanted to solve, 30 things we could turn into a business. We had one year, I was in my, my last year's studies, I was graduating soon, and he was going on a sabbatical soon. So we thought, okay, our, our schedule's aligned. Let's put our heads together. We were able to patent something in six months, so I'm sure we can put a business together in, in, a, in six months or two as well. So we made this big list, and then... At the top of the list was, was housing. Um, a bunch of other ideas looking back were really stupid. I'm glad we didn't tackle them. Could you tell um, us a couple of the ideas that you yeah. didn't tackle? Some of the maybe the more obscure ones? Can you yeah. remember any of them? Well, I can tell you. So number one on the list was housing. But number two was uh, exit rooms, the, uh, oh. the the puzzle rooms. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. so Ken is... They had, their, they had their moment in the sun, didn't they? Exactly. So Ken is an absolute advocate of them. And I thought, this is cool, but this isn't a business. Like, this is something, if you, this is a lifestyle business you want to run or something, but it's not really solving a real issue in our society, um, but, but it's pretty cool. And then a bunch of them were 
engineering related, very high tech. We didn't want to do anything too complicated or abstract. We wanted something feasible that we could actually build a prototype in a, in a summer and, and test it out. Um, so at the end, we ended up building a first version of this. Um, and the concept at that time was eBay for renting. So the idea of system just applying and asking, is this available? It's an application board where it's like an auction where renters can, can apply and basically auction bid on properties. Oh, this house is $2,000. I'll offer you $2,000, but here's my amazing resume because I'm an awesome person. Right. This person says, oh, I'll give you 2100 and this. So uh, essentially, uh, the landlord can accept multiple offers uh, through this platform and they, and they can compare them. Um, so we created this concept. We pushed it out, but ended up failing. Um, this was in 2017 we did this. Um, at the time, the, the real estate market was quite hot. Rental vacancies were very low, but we found it was too difficult to create a different listing site. There's hundreds of websites out there right. where you can post a property for rent, and it's just too difficult to get people's attention. So after first summer, as soon as we stopped paying for, for ads, um, basically the traffic dropped right off and realized, hey, this just isn't sticking. People don't use this as intended. There's just too much competition. So sure. At that time, I just, I I just rented a, a basement suite um, and I only did it on Facebook and I had 100 people message me, uh, you know, so there's just no need for a, a second or a third or a fourth platform to, to make that work. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we, we discovered that the hard way, but lots of valuable lessons were learned. Uh, so after that time, I, I took some time off to travel the United States and I was actually reading, uh, studying a textbook to get my insurance license because I thought... Hey, maybe if I'm going to be an entrepreneur, um, I can uh, I can sell insurance as well on the side. My sister was working with an insurance company and making some some good money selling uh, selling insurance policies. And I thought this is pretty simple. I can kind of do it on my own agenda. You don't need to be in an office all the time. It's if I want to be an entrepreneur. I need a little bit of income on the side. So I was studying this this textbook, and in there was uh, a graph of population trends of Canada. And by 2030-2031 will be the peak of the baby boomers hitting retirement is 65 plus and looking at that it's it's an inverted triangle of what a population distribution should be so typically you should have more young people than old people it makes sense there's people die off naturally we need more young people in the workforce but in Canada we see the opposite we're actually seeing more older people than younger people which leads to a lot of our problems we see today uh, it's difficult to get employees, difficult to get service workers, relying on much on immigration now to fill what needs in our country. And at the same time, uh, our older populations are wanting to age in their homes. They, they're not moving out of their downsizing from their single family homes into apartments or senior housing, which makes it difficult for the younger families to, to move up the housing ladder into these bigger properties. So this kind of blew my mind. I mean, this is quite obvious, but it wasn't so apparent to me. And then I realized, wow, there's there's something going on here. And we're, we just have to take the iceberg. We're not really seeing this manifest yet. So this really had me sit back and think, okay, I was working on this housing listing site and it didn't work. But we see this trend of we seeing these older adults, usually in single family homes, their children have moved away. They're overhoused. There's all this extra space. We have all these newcomers coming to our country. We have students, young adults struggling to find housing. There's got to be a connection here somewhere. And uh, that planted the seed, and I did a bunch of research. I found out in Europe, there's uh, Western Europe, that this concept has been in practice for many years called home sharing. If you have uh, an older adult with extra space in their house, they bring a younger person in, 
you share meals, you usually help with household chores for cheaper rent. It's usually beneficial. And I thought, this is brilliant. It's awesome. Why don't we do this in North America? It just, just seems so great. So that really planted the seed of maybe I can take what I've done before and transition it towards this model of using this extra space in homes. And once I got back uh, from my road trip uh, United States, I started frantically integrating people to research. I found that over 12 million bedrooms sit empty every single night across Canada. Wow. Over one third of our housing stock. And in communities such as the, the Okanagan um, region, Thompson, Okanagan, that number is actually closer to 40% of bedrooms sit empty. Unbelievable. Uh, in areas like Vancouver, around like 20 to 25%. So I thought, wow, this is a tremendous opportunity. I don't see anyone so approaching this problem, trying to make better use of this real estate. We're talking trillions of dollars of real estate sitting empty every night. So there's got to be a solution we can do. And so I started working on it. Uh, this is 2018 now. I decided I'm going to start a pilot project just to see if this works. I learned from my first my first time that don't just build a business, launch it, and hope it works. You know? <laughs> Spend your time doing some market research. Yeah. Build a pilot project. Test it. Test it, it. Test exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And this this is the approach. So I started with just uh, an Excel spreadsheet. I built a super basic website, just like a Wix website, basically, and printed off some flyers, went around to the university campus in Kelowna, UBC Okanagan, had all flyers to students, and I started talking at events, handing out postcards, and I ended up getting 10 older homeowners to sign up that summer. Uh, my first one was totally unexpectedly. I, I gave a presentation at the library, and then right after an uh, older lady came up, who has been one of her most amazing hosts uh, right to this day, she came up and says, I want to sign up. Here, how, how do I sign up? And at this time, I didn't have anything developed yet. I didn't have a sign-up form. I didn't have anything. I was you had an idea. idea. Yeah. I had an idea. Yeah. And then I already had a customer wanting to do this. I was like, okay. Maybe That's a good start. Yeah. Validation. Yeah. Um, so fast forward a couple months, I had 200 students apply. And I had 10 homeowners. So this is great. I have some early validation. There's, there's demand. Um, we have some supply. And I did a match, a program, lots of filtering. It was a lot of hard work. Managing 200 people. Um, wanting to get matched with these older adults was difficult. But that, that means 80, 80% of the people who signed up are not going to be matched, right? I imagine it's one or two bedrooms per, so you're looking at 20 bedrooms at most. So that's a lot of people who you have to say sorry. Exactly, exactly. So we had a few hosts take a couple students in, lost from only one, one student. Um, but overall, it was very successful. Um, but not just the fact that we gave housing to these students. What we found is these students had amazing experiences. Uh, some students said it's the best housing upgrade they've ever had. Uh, they felt like family, they're sharing meals. Um, some students who maybe didn't know how to cook very well, they're, they're living with an older host now who would teach them how to cook amazing food. Uh, they would go to the movies together, go, go shopping together. Uh, it's it's like having a new family. So what we found is that, you know, with this, this model, we're not just creating uh, more housing options, particularly affordable housing options, but we're also helping address many social barriers for both sides. These, these students and young adults are, you know, are helping address loneliness. Uh, loneliness and isolation is a big problem for students and young adults. We're a very isolated society. We don't we don't connect as much as other cultures. And this this solution we found is actually helping addressing that. At the same time, these older adults are maybe their children have moved away, they don't have family around. Maybe they're feeling a bit alone as well. Or or a lot of them are on fixed incomes, 
um, and have no other way of making uh, money to support, you know, their housing is also going up. That means their taxes are up. That means their utilities are higher. That means everything is higher and they're on a fixed income. So it lets them stay in their house, you know, years and years longer, possibly. Exactly. Yes. We, we've had uh, one senior, for instance, she was living in a three-bedroom townhouse and was concerned about downsizing. She didn't want to lose her house, wasn't sure what to do. But her bringing a student in, and she has had many students since then, um, it's, it's been the solution for her to remain in her home, get the extra income, get that friendship companionship, and it's it's her aging in place solution. It's her retirement plan now. Yeah, that's 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 incredible. So uh, you're you know right off the bat, you're at 200 students. You're at, at 10. Uh, that was four years ago. We're 2022. Where where are we at now? Have you expanded into other markets? Uh, what are our numbers? What's the attrition rate? What does that look like? Yes, we've we've grown a lot since then, um, but uh, it was a bumpy road. So I want to want to touch on that a little bit. Um, building a business is not smooth sailing. Um, you know, building Happy Pad, it's it's very different from your typical service-based business. Um, you know, after I graduated from TRU, I did create a, a contracting business as an electrician, and that was that was great. Um, but very simple, very simple business model. Building Happy Pad, we're building something completely new. We're changing the status quo. We're telling people to share homes, which goes against their cultural norms. Uh, we're developing a website application, which is very difficult to get to get it known on the internet. Uh, so there's many things fighting against us. Um, so the problem we started is that pilot project was uh, a validation of the model, but very difficult to scale because it was just me running around to homes and using Excel spreadsheet. You can't scale that. In fact, once we started getting more homeowners, we had about 20 homeowners, and then I was at capacity. I just couldn't physically handle any more people. So we realized we need to develop a solution to scale this. So we started talking to an um, innovation advisor at the Canadian uh, uh, Research um, National Research Council of Canada, who had been giving us a little, a little bit of seed funding to say, hey, we, we like what you're doing. Here's a little bit of money to develop a software solution to see if you can start scaling this. Um, so we invested in that. We started building it. And then the pandemic hit. And just before the pandemic, we were up to about 100 hosts. And we had about 1,000 students uh, signed up. Uh, then the pandemic hit. We pretty much died overnight. Um, sharing homes. Uh, didn't exist anymore. Students are coming to Canada or they're staying at home with parents. So we thought that was the end of it. Um, fast forward of about 12 months of, uh, of despair. Uh, we got wind from the um, Canada Mortgage and Housing, the uh, Crown Corporation for, for Housing for Canada. And they really liked what we did. And they, they gave us some investments, um, about $450,000 total, uh, to invest in the solution, see how we can scale this to a solution across Canada. So that takes us to 2020 into 2021, and we started relaunching the solution and seeing how can we apply this as a, as a national solution on a bigger scale uh, and serving multiple markets, not just a student-senior match, but how can we match seniors with seniors, how we match students with other students, can we match newcomers or refugees with families. So really looking at more applications of the way that we can support shared housing on a general context. Uh, so through that through that path, um, where we are today, we have uh, about 12,000 renters signed up and over 1,000 hosts. We're mostly centered around um, Vancouver, uh, Okanagan region, central, south, north Okanagan, and we've launched this summer into Ontario. So we have some partnerships in Ontario um, with Perth County uh, College of Lambden, and we're getting a, a presence in Alberta. I'll be working with uh, University of Calgary. We have a presence in Edmonton. And in the Maritimes, we'll be having some organic growth out there. Um, 
Today, about 50% of our new signups is a word of mouth. So these are existing users telling their friends about us, saying, hey, we have this, this awesome solution. Uh, you should try it out. Um, so half the people come in from our marketing efforts and half are just word of mouth referrals, which is always great for business. Absolutely. Yeah, more natural, uh, organic growth. Tell us about the moment where you thought this project uh, business had, had died during the pandemic and you get, did you apply for the funding through CMHC or did they reach out to you? What did, tell us about that moment where you got that email saying, yes, we're going to fund you. And all of a sudden, Happy Pad uh, is the phoenix from the ashes. Oh, that was <laughs> hard to explain those emotions. I, I thought this this concept was, was dead in the water. You know, I had really high hopes for this. I really thought, you know, this could be a very meaningful contribution for society. Um, I thought it'd be just something I'd be proud of for my whole lifetime, that this was something I was able to accomplish. But looking at the situation, I, I thought we it, it's done. Everything is done. It's gone underwater. Uh, so once we got that confirmation, um, which we did have to apply for, it was a, a granting process. We had to go through a, fill out a very long, very detailed application. Uh, thankfully, my business partner, Kenneth Chow, was uh, an amazing grant writer, a researcher at the university, and has received many, many grants in the past. So um, he really spearheaded that application, beautiful application. And through some interviews, we're able to get that, that funding. And once we got that confirmation, um, it was just like wind in the sails. It's like, wow, like not just the funding so that we can actually invest in building proper solutions and invest in hiring some, some help now to, to build the solutions we need, but also to have their, their faith behind us. That this is just something that I believe in. We now have people right from the central government saying, this is something that can help our country. This can help us get out of the housing crisis. This can help our students and newcomers uh, integrate into our culture to have homes, connect with their communities, and help our aging population earn extra income, remain in their homes, build new social connections. So it, it's it's really a beautiful picture all around. And, you know, just those those days, um, <laughs> I forgot that funding, it was hard to believe, truthfully. Um, when yeah I can I can tell you know you're getting a little emotional about this but just uh, and I am you know I got the chills when you're telling me about that that's just so, it's so powerful right like it is um, it, it can be it can change our culture in a big way it can bring us together you know we we like to think of Canada as a mosaic of cultures and this is just another one of those pieces that helps us accomplish that as you're bringing as you say newcomers uh, to uh, people who have been here their entire lives and and in smaller communities, right? You know, maybe there isn't um, a cultural center for someone who comes from uh, somewhere in, in Africa or Europe, but, you know, they can find uh, communities within those those smaller spaces, which I think is really, really powerful. Where do you see uh, HappyPad in the next five years? On the short term, uh, we are working with some key partners now across Canada. One area that we are putting a lot of focus on today is on refugee housing. We've seen this with the war breaking out in Ukraine, and also we have uh, Afghanistan and Syria, refugees both with and without status and asylum seekers coming to our country. These are people that we really want to help, and we see our solution being a, a great solution to help them. So we're working with some partners in Metro Vancouver, and we're having some conversations in Ontario and Quebec, Montreal specifically as well, of applying HappyPad's solution to help refugees coming to our country. So homeowners that have extra space, they can help a newcomer for a short period of time to maybe several months. Um, we're providing a solution for them to participate in that area. We're also broadening our scope. We are now uh, getting into the real estate construction. So uh, developing new housing models. Our single family homes today 
work great for families, but they're not really well suited for sharing. So we're working with a, a team out of Alberta now to uh, build a new architectural designs for homes that can be designed to share. Uh, so we have essentially micro suites coupled together to make a single family home. And this can work for a family, it can work for sharing, it can work for seniors wanting to live together. So that's another vertical that we plan to grow in the over the next decade. We have the refugee housing vertical, uh, our student housing, uh, we are expanding across Canada. We are now partnering with uh, universities and colleges across Canada to give them a, a safe, secure housing solution that eliminates rental scams, uh, gives them peace of mind and opens up new housing supply by creating these intercultural connections. Uh, beyond that, we have grand visions to bring our solution internationally. The United States is one area where we want to expand to. I was in, spent uh, a month and a half in the United States this past summer as part of the Young Leaders of America initiative, whereas in, in Washington State, uh, Seattle, and then uh, all the way to across the country to Washington, D.C., where I made some amazing connections and learned so much of how we can bring our solution across the border to America. And through that program as well, I met many amazing people from the Central and South Americas, uh, learning about the, the type of problems they have in their country, and perhaps how we could bring half that solution down to Central South America. So let's say you're uh, someone getting ready for retirement and you want to spend, let's say, three, four months in Guatemala or Costa Rica. What if we connect you with a family there? So instead of just going and finding a hotel, you can actually become a local resident. You can look at the family, you can eat their food, you can integrate. Uh, so that's really the, the longer term vision is, is creating uh, beyond just bringing different cultures and people into Canada, but how can we bring Canadians across the world as well to create this, the same type of experience? That's incredible. A more sustainable version of Airbnb as you see less people comfortable with Airbnb. Um, I think that's pretty, pretty neat. Um, you know, I think uh, anecdotally, uh, I told you that I was renting uh, my basement. I, I rented to a student. I like to rent to students because I think it's important. I live close to the university and I, I think those people need uh, a hand a hand sometimes. Uh, the individual I just rented to is currently living in a condemned uh, hotel uh, just offside campus. Uh, TRU built modular trailers uh, for housing because there is such a, a housing issue here and it's it's no one's fault. Things happen and I think we need to get you on campus and talking to the right people. You know, you are our alumni and we haven't partnered with you yet. So I think there, uh, I know the student union here is talking about building uh, their own solution of exactly what you're talking about. So let's not uh, reinvent the wheel. Let's let's get you over here and, and uh, get one of our brightest alumni doing some neat stuff. I think there's some real potential there. Tell us where to find you. How do we get a hold of you? Where are we gonna see you next? Um, if people wanna reach out, where can they find you? Uh, the best way to find us is through Google search for Happy Pad, Happy with an I, H A P P I P A D, or happypad.com or happypad.ca. All takes you to the same place. Or if you use TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you can search for Happy Pad or Happy Pad Living on Facebook and you will find us and follow our journey. Unbelievable. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you.